Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This is my team? A muscle head and a doodler? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And all of a sudden it's 8-5. to five. Run scores. Line drive, base hit in the left field. Coming on Rosario, sliding effort, he drops the ball. Astros take the lead. Line drive, base hit. This ball is gone. Home run, Carlos Beltran. An 11-run inning. Beltran hooks one down the right field line. This ball is gone. Home run, Carlos Beltran. An 11-run inning. And it's 13-8 Astros. I guess that last one was worth playing twice just because of how hard Carlos Beltran uh, put an exclamation point on the end of the inning. Yeah, that little uh, on-air microphone meeting, there's a little bolt you can screw in there. Matthew Collar, just twist that thing around. You'll oh, find it there. Derek like. Wetmore from uh, 1500ESPN.com. Touch them all podcast. You can find our weekly Twins discussion where we expand on uh, topics of the week. So this this team, Derek, lineup, I look at the lineup. I think this lineup fits with other playoff teams' lineups. Not necessarily the Washington Nationals, but... Dozier and Maurer and Sano and and Kepler, you can you could put that lineup up in a playoff game and feel pretty good about your chances to score some runs. Starting pitching, eh, you know, Irvin Santana, Jose Barrios, definitely playoff caliber rotation starters to me right now. The bullpen is where we get into the pretender part of the roster, and we've known that going into the season. You had questions about it, but uh, this weekend with the blown save on. Sunday, which led to extra innings and six and a half hours, and then yesterday's historical debacle. Yeah, it's 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 going to take more than just shaking off the cobwebs and calling Buddy Boshears up to eat some innings. Yeah, it's going to have to be guys from Double A AA and Triple A we haven't seen yet, or a trade of some kind, or this team's going to fall out of the race. Yeah, I think we said that kind of in the off season too. That you look at this team and you see the pieces kind of starting to fall into place. Not that they're there yet, but that they're getting there at least. The bullpen was the one point where you could say, uh, yeah. except if you, hey, if you just want to be, a, a, you want to play some baseball games this summer and you just want to kind of get through to the summer of 2018 when you might have a little bit better chance, this is fine. Brandon Kinsler is your closer is fine. Matt Belisle is your eighth inning guy. Yeah, yeah. Se- seventh or eighth. You got Ryan Presley mixed in there. Taylor Rogers had a nice little year last year. Maybe some guys pop up and, and, and surprise you a little bit. Maybe Michael Tonkin has a good year. But that was under the premise of, okay, you're you're just sort of biding your time until this thing's really ready to pop. Now that it looks a, like it looks more likely, like it's ready to pop. Yep. This stuff stands out so much more, and the bullpen's kind of just being taped together right now. You you can't get by as a legitimate AL Central winner with a bullpen that looks like this. So either the Twins are going to have to change it. Or they're not going to win the Central. They're probably not going to be playing in the postseason. It's so, pretty simple. So what? what's your opinion about this, though? Is, is they really the Twins did a very good job in the first two months of beating up on bad teams. And the Twins overachieved there, and that was great. They went to Baltimore and played well, which to me was impressive. But now Tampa Bay is certainly not a bad team. Houston is very, very good. So do you, Derek, look at this and say to yourself, if you do the right things with the bullpen here, it's it's eminently fixable and you can remain competitive? Or do you say to yourself, the reality of the situation is 
It's uh, premature to make a couple of fixes here and there at the expense of your future, given mm-hmm. the fact that your team, when it's playing good teams, might not be yeah. there yet. Well, because that's I, the question to me. Yeah, I guess like my, I, I have sort of a a callous answer to this question, and it's like you might appreciate that, Judd. It, it's like would I? I wouldn't trade Nick Gordon for a reliever. Like you know, that just doesn't make any sense. The price. The cost-benefit is not even close to there for the Twins. But would I make a move for a reliever? Like, would I trade somebody on my top 30 prospect? Yeah, of course. I would make that move if I want to go to the postseason this year. And here's where I think that I'll get into trouble from both sides of the equation. Uh, People who want to build for the future are not going to like giving up some potential future asset for a right-now reliever. And then people who want to win right now aren't going to like my view of this Twins team, which is that this Twins team is kind of just okay. It's not very good. It's like a 500 maybe ball club, and they've played over their heads. Now, I will say that playing over your heads earns you something. If you win more games than you're supposed to win, well, now you're in a position. We're legitimately talking about them as American League Central contenders, which I don't think anyone said we were going to be talking about at the end of May. So now, this is my view of it, Judd, the whole 30,000-foot thing. Now that you've sort of stolen some victories and you've banked those wins, you don't have to give those back. I don't care if you are a 500 team. This is your record now. So the Twins get to sort of position themselves from this position now, which is atop the American League Central, kind of in control here if the Indians don't turn around their pitching. And that sort of changes how you plan for the immediate future. And absolutely, yeah, I would make a deal for a reliever. It wouldn't be a top prospect kind of a deal because you're not going out to get an Andrew Miller or an Aroldis Chapman. But go get an eighth-inning guy. Go get a seventh-inning guy. Now you can sort of start to slide these other guys down into lower-pressure roles or just hide them all together. The bullpen starts to look a lot better really quickly if you do something like that. Yeah, I think your hope is if you want this bullpen to look even just remotely formidable, just league average, a trade and then get lucky with one of your double-A, triple-A guys who haven't surfaced yet. These, sure. There's a group of 25-, 26-year-old Luke Bard, Mason Melitakis, Trevor Hildenberger, these guys that casual Twins fans may not have ever heard of, uh, Alan Buznitz. Just churn some of these guys. These guys are 26 years old. It's time to figure out if you can play in the big leagues. Maple Isle has added, I'm sure, great leadership behind the scenes. He's 37 and has a 9 ERA Two months into the season. Yeah. Ryan Presley, at some point, dude, it's time to, you've got great stuff, but at some point, it's time to go. You're mm-hmm. 28 years old. You can't just get up there and, and, and walk guys on four and five pitches in key spots. Have some composure once in a while. And he hasn't shown that at all. They're going to need a little bit more than a guy like Alan Buznitz coming up and being a reasonable middle inning bridge. They're going to need some real quality late innings, and I don't really know where that comes from right now. You mentioned Matt Belisle. There was a stretch there until this weekend where he had thrown like once in 12 days. So I don't know if he's dealing with something there. The Twins certainly haven't said anything about that. He hasn't mentioned anything about it, but they were clearly you know, not using him in key spots and whether that was just to give him a break to get through some kind of dead arm period or something like that, I have no idea. This is just pure speculation. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that in key spots, they weren't using a guy who they signed to be sort of a late-inning reliever. And when you mentioned those guys that aren't – maybe they're not on the 40-man roster, some of the guys in A Chattanooga, Phil. I mean, maybe those are the answers, but, but that cuts at the core of the question is – are you contenders right now? And if you are, well, then shake up your 40-man roster, figure it out, try to win some more games in the big leagues. But if you're not, then 
Maybe you just want to give yourself future flexibility. I don't think that's the game that the Twins are playing here, but that's really how you justify keeping guys in the, in the minor leagues if they're not on the roster. Because how many times have we heard, well, you know, he was on, he was on Buddy Boshears. He's back here in his own words because he's on the forty man roster, and and that's sort of the game the Twins are playing here is cycling through those back end of the roster arms just to try to stay fresh every day. It seems like it. It seems like every every series there's a couple of roster moves and they always involve pitching. And I'm not saying that's the wrong strategy. I think it's the right strategy. But at a certain point, you can't deal with upgrading the fringes, the 24th, 25th, 26th, 27th man on the roster. You've got to go get legit late-inning relievers if, again, if you want to fancy yourself a contender this year. How do you re- respond to the fact that the criticism of Molitor off the loss on Monday to me was off the charts bullpen wise. Yeah, I hate and, the criticism. And the feeling, what, but what intrigues me is this: the feeling I got was a lot of people said, "Well, you called these two guys up and you didn't use them in the eighth." And so, but I looked at at that entire bullpen right now and say to myself, "Okay, you could have gone earlier to Rosinski, for instance." But I don't think it's going to save you. You put Paul Molitor in an Iron Chef contest and said, all right, create a meal. And he got done creating a meal, and everyone's like, this tastes like garbage. What like, What are you doing? But the ingredients you gave him were syrup, some ground turkey. And garbage. And like, yeah, and like a banana peel. Which is why it tastes like garbage. So, oh, this tastes disgusting. Yeah, well, I yeah. Hate, I hate the criticism of the move uh, that Molitor made because it's pretty simple. Like, I, I think that fresh arms, you're maybe overvaluing if if you're criticizing Molitor for the way he treated his bullpen, and by the way, we should say, I don't even blame the bullpen for yesterday's loss. I blame A. Ray Adrianza and Eddie Rosario for dropping those balls. Because epic innings don't just happen by accident. They don't just, oh, well, yeah, we put out some pitchers there and we just couldn't get them out. No, you gave them two extra outs early. That It, it would have been very easy for them to catch that ball in left field. Eddie Rosario catches that ball. And then the next play, there's two outs then, sacrifice. Sacrifice fly comes in. The Twins still have a four-run lead. The next ball is a grounder to shortstop. Guess what? You're out of the inning. If you had caught that first ball but they didn't, it devolves into an epic disaster. It's labeled as a bullpen meltdown. Granted, go ahead and get those outs afterwards. You've got permission. It was that, too. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But to say that it's Molitor's fault for not putting in Jason Wheeler in the eighth inning I think is ridiculous because what you're saying is, oh, yeah, he's a guy that you should go get outs and I get that. That's what you brought him for. But you got Jason Wheeler and Dan Ruchinski there in case it turned. Drew Ruchinski, sorry, I did that yesterday too. That's okay. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. I, it, it does matter. No, I, have, I, it I feel matter, bad. Dude. But the way I that. I call him Rue. The, <laughs> you're on that tight of a basis. <laughs> what those guys are there for is in case something implodes early in the game and you need four innings out of a guy who will be sent to the minor leagues right after the game. That's what those guys are there for. That's exactly what happened yesterday then. Mm-hmm. But to not bring in Wheeler just means that Molitor trusted his guys that are supposed to be getting outs late in games. Ryan Presley, Craig Breslow, and Matt Blyle. And guess what? Those guys didn't get any outs. Okay, so if, it's, if that it's game, a very circular argument to blame who, who, Molitor Who was pitching during the, when they had the 10-minute rain delay? And then, Breslow. And so Breslow, did he come back again? After, yep. I can't remember. Okay. So people are mad because, well, Breslow, who's this, he's this veteran Richard, who's been okay for the most part this season. If in that moment... Let's say before Breslow faces Springer, and, and let's say you know it's two and zero, and you come back from the rain delay. Okay, fans, 
do you want to see Jason Wheeler come in the game right now? Like You'd say, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, that's right. Because everyone in the bullpen right now basically is, who the hell is this guy? Now, on the subject of trading... I wouldn't trade a key prospect for an eighth inning guy. No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade Stephen Gonsalves or Nick Gordon no for way. the next Kevin Jepsen. No way. But on the subject of trading any of your top ten prospects, let's say we did this exercise last week, going through the two, the Twins' 2008 top prospect list. It's all bust except for like two. <laughs> we went through the top twenty. Okay. Well, I have just for fun. Just in case you're overvaluing prospects, which I think I've been guilty of in the past too. Sure. They're lottery tickets. I have a list of 2004 Twins Top 10 Prospects Baseball America in front of me right now. Okay. Now, the first two are Maurer and Morneau, but I don't think you would... To okay, trade you're not one, one or two. To trade one of your top two prospects from a good farm system, you'd if you're going to trade Nick Gordon, it would be in a deal for a starting pitcher who's around for two or three years, sure. a guy in his prime, like a Sonny Gray or somebody. Um, and I'd have to see that deal on the table before I would think about that, too. Here's the other ones. Matt Moses... Was their number oh, three Matt prospect Moses. in 2004. Sure. J.D., the real deal. Durbin. J.D. Durbin, okay. Jesse Crane was an pitcher. okay seventh-inning yeah. guy. Like, he wasn't a closer. He was fine. You'd like to have vintage Jesse Crane right now on this team, actually. Sure. That would help you a lot. Take him, yes. But at the, at the time of this list, yeah, yeah, yeah. You I, thought, I get what you're, you, saying. you're thinking best-case scenario. You think, well, I, we don't want to trade the 10-year closer. The future closer, right. That's what Jesse Crane was touted as, and he never became that. Sure. Jason Bartlett okay. was a serviceable shortstop for a couple teams, but not an all-star. He wasn't in that top one or two tiers was, of shortstop. He was Jason Bartlett. He was fine. Denard Spann, rock-solid player. Yep, not a superstar, that. but rock-solid player. Jason Kubel, you know, solid player. Just not a, not an overly impactful, lineup-changing player, but a decent player. Grant Balfour and Michael Restovich. So let's just pretend like... The 2004 top 10 prospect list is a pretty similar mix to what you have right now in your top 10 list. Maybe there's two stars, there's four complete busts who are never going to do anything, Mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of guys who you can just find. You can find uh, Jason Bartlett, you can find a Jesse Crane. If we're talking about trading someone between like 4 and 10 on that list for something that helps you this season, I would consider it... Ten times out of ten. Yeah. But so I don't mean, overvalue prospects is my moral of the story. I agree. Just rem- just remember that they're lottery tickets because, you know, we, we could even play the hindsight hero and say, what happens to Kubel if he doesn't tear up his knee, right? Like, you wouldn't want to trade that player for a seventh-inning guy. And then mm-hmm. that's the second part of the question is, are you getting a seventh-inning guy? Or are you getting a legit ninth inning guy, and then Brandon Kinsler's your setup man? Because mm-hmm. Kinsler's been good this year. He's probably due for some regression, but he's been good mm-hmm. this year. Uh, well, here's another thing, too. I've got the, the this year's top ten. Here's the pitchers in this year's top ten. Right. Felix Jorge, Cole Stewart, Adalberto Mejia, Tyler J, Fernando Romero, Steven Gonsalves. That's six pitchers. Yeah. I guarantee you three will need arm surgery in the next five years. Sure. And, and I'm and, not saying that to be a douche, but it's probably true. And you, if you look at it, if you follow Twins prospects closely, you'd hear those names and you'd think, well, I'm down on Cole Stewart, but the rest of them, nah, I'm not trading those guys. I'm not trading them. One, I'm not even thinking about it, Here, especially not for a reliever. I would just say that, like, some of those guys might be legitimately very good. Fernando Romero might be a great starter in the big league someday. But, Phil, your point is right that half of them won't be. Here's my question. My question is this, and they're not going to tell us, but how surprised is Falvey by where this team sits right now? Let's let's answer that when we come back. that's wow. the key question. Let's get back to that to wrap up the show with Derek Wetmore next. 
Hey guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd now continue. Yeah! On 1500 ESPN. Sudden it's eight to five. Run scores. Line drive, base hit into left field. Coming on Rosario, sliding effort. He drops the ball. Astros take the lead. Line drive, base hit. This ball is gone. Home run, Carlos Beltran. An 11-run inning. Yeah, thought the Twins a couple days ago would be eight games over. They're five games over now after the bullpen meltdowns. But worth noting, with Derek Wetmore hanging out with us in studio from the Touch em All podcast and 1500ESPN.com, uh, they are still in first place in the American League Central by a game over Cleveland. So here is the question. As we discuss the, as we discuss the fact that the bullpen might turn into a mess and certainly uh, did not have a great Sunday and Monday, this discussion to me, though, the heart of it is this. Is Derek Falvey sitting there right now, and, and he's a smart guy, but is he sitting there right now with unexpected success on his hands to the point of, of where he very well might be uh, starting to consider the options that we're talking about, but he took over a team that lost 103 games, Derek, mm-hmm. and he took over a team with no expectations. And didn't do much to heighten those expectations. And he did not. He did not. Exactly right. And this team turned around and had a very good first two months. So where do you think he is at yeah. with where the expectations so, might lie in late May as opposed to where they were on opening day? So here's I, I don't know how Derek Falvey is thinking about it. Here's how I think about it. Mm-hmm. Here's how I think about any season, um, especially baseball, which just like lends itself to to bigger data sets, to like probably less variance sure. than football, for example. I think I go into a season saying, you know how you guys always pin me down and ask me for a win total? You say, but how many games are they going to win? And I'll say, well, is is Glenn Perkins going to come back? How good is Phil Hughes going to be? What are we going to get from Irvin Santana this year? Tell me these things, and I'll try and tell you how many games are going to win. I'd rather give you a range. I think the Twins probably think about it like a range, too. I think they say, all right, let's look at the talent around here. Clearly, it's better than a 59-win team, but also clearly, we're not going to the World Series this year. So maybe this is like a 75-win team, and there's a there's a 50% chance of that happening. And then there's like another 10% chance that they win um, 80 games. And then there's like another 5% chance that they win 85 games. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a 1% chance that this team messes around, makes some key trades, and wins 90 games. I think they think about it like a percentage spectrum. At least that's how I look at it. Sure. And it's different now than it was when they had that same percentage I, spectrum two months ago. I've reevaluated my percentages now, right? I don't think that I don't think that there's very much of a chance that this team only wins 60 games now. I think that's pretty unlikely. Uh, but I don't think that you'd be sitting here... What is it? How many games above 500 are they? Five, five games? Now, yeah. Five games above 500? I don't think I'd look at this and be like, whoa, what? How? How could this possibly happen? I think if you were the Twins and you had the full spectrum from abject pessimism to uh, unbelievable optimism, 
this would be somewhere on that spectrum and not too far away from the center. Like, this is kind of just, they've gotten lucky in a couple of games. Their bullpen's squeaked by a little bit. Irvin Santana's been sensational, and Miguel Sano's been an MVP candidate. Uh, well, those those things all independently were possible, and they probably view this as, like, on the scope of what could have happened. But now that it has happened, Judd, it's time to reevaluate those percentages. It's time to say, all right, this isn't a 60-win team anymore. Let's start treating this more like a contender. With that being said, it's not exactly a 95-win team either. You don't have to go trade Nick Gordon and Steven Gonzalez for yeah. uh, for an eighth-inning guy. A lot. It really is. It's A lot of it's horse racing, too, where you... You might secretariat. Let's let's say that the Indians are secretariat, and uh, the Twins just happen to have an early race lead right now. Well, it's a pleasant surprise. You have an early race lead, which gives you a better chance to succeed at the end of this race than if you were to have stumbled out of the gate and like your horse breaks its ankle, right? So good, you're out in front. Just know that in another minute or so, the best horse is probably going to be out in front by ten lengths. So. Maybe factor that into consideration, yeah. right? Unless that horse suffers, you know, injuries right. or something. The Twins aren't the best horse in this division. The Indians are, but the Twins happen to have a lead. Right. You have to evaluate: Are you playing for a division championship, which could get you into an actual playoff series, or are you realistically playing for one of the two wild card spots? In which case, I'm not giving up anything of substance sure. for the future, unless the thing I get in return is also around for like two or three years. And let's extend the metaphor. You're 30 lengths behind going into the home stretch. You're not going to the whip. It's just smooth sailing into the finish line. Make sure Miguel Sano doesn't get hurt. Make sure Jose Barreos gets his seasoning in the big leagues and is ready to go for spring training. Correct. You don't, you know, you don't fall out of contention, sit in last place in the American League Central and try to load up for a run. That's not Now that they are here though, mm-hmm. it changes the math. It you figure out, okay, how legit are the Twins? How much could they reasonably be willing to give up? And that in the metaphor is the whip. And so you go figure out, okay, well, I'm going to give up a top 15 prospect, a top 10 prospect, or am I at the other end of the spectrum and trading Irvin Santana and Brian Dozier and Brandon Kinsler and anything else not nailed down for multiple years? <laughs> that's the quandary that the Twins find but, themselves but that's in not, right now. But that's what I'm saying is, and I think that that is going to remain a big question mark into June for them because yeah. they came in with a plan. The question is, when do you alter the plan? I, I, I think this was part of the plan. I think if this... On the percentage chance that this happened, they knew what they were going to do. Now we'll see. I've written before in the past, I think I said it on your guys' show, this next stretch of games until the All-Star break literally defines the season. If they just fall flat on their face here, it's over. It's all over. Good start to that stretch yesterday. (laughs) I know, but if you can weather the storm, if you can come back, beat the Astros, if you're in good shape, this is a totally different season for the Twins. Find Derek Wetmore's coverage of the Twins on 1500ESPN.com and go check out, subscribe to our Touch Em All podcast. You can also find the Mackie and Judd on-demand hours in the same spots. We'll see you tomorrow. The Russia Investigation. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. President Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, received and rejected a request for documents as part of Congress's ongoing investigation into Russian election meddling. Press Secretary Sean Spicer was asked about whether the president discussed with son-in-law Jared Kushner the possibility of back-channel communication with Russia. I'm not going to get into what the president did or did not discuss, but what your question assumes is a lot of facts that are not substantiated by anything but um, anonymous 
sources that are so far being leaked out. The White House communications director has resigned, and Spicer doesn't think President Trump is considering a big staff shakeup. I think the president is very pleased with his team, uh, and he has a robust agenda, as I've just outlined, that he looks forward to working with Congress to get done to achieve results for the American people. U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley says the Trump administration believes China is using back channels with North Korea to try to stop nuclear and ballistic missile testing. The Dow lost 50 points. I'm Ed Donahue.